Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Church, a place of grace. Sit back, relax, and listen in. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And when you have it, say amen. Amen. I'll make you stand one more time for the reading of God's word. Amen. Let's get your exercise on. Get that stretch up and down. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Luke chapter 10. Everybody have it? Amen. Praise the Lord. As Jesus... And his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Father, bless the reading of your word this morning. As the word will go forth, God speak to us. Give us what we need to hear, that we can leave challenged and changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. May I may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to share with you briefly the Mary principle. Everybody said the Mary principle. The Mary principle. And if I, had a, if, if I had a subtitle, I would call it sitting at the feet of Jesus. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. As we were preparing for this message and I was praying and asking the Lord, exactly what I should say unto his people. My wife and I, you know, when you, when you have two preachers in the house, you can't help but to preach to each other. So there are times where we have our times of prayer, and after we pray, we always get into the word together as a husband and wife. And then sometimes the revelation just comes off the page, and we just start preaching to each other. We just have a preaching party. And I'll be like, did you see this part? But the Bible says that we just start going back and forth. And, you know, the Bible says you sharpen each other that way. Come on, quick, quick, quick. You know, you sharpen each other that way. Sometimes we just say, oh, let's talk about faith real quick. Give me scriptures on faith. Faith is, you know, we just start testing. Come on, that's how you get yourself sharp. So you could be prepared in season and out of season. And so as I was um, going over this scripture with my wife, this was during the time when you first, you ladies first started immerse. And she talked about Mary and Martha. And as we began to go into the word of God and just share about Mary and Martha, a message just erupted. I mean, it hit us so much. I remember I was sitting on the side of the bed. She was in the hallway. Next day, I know we were all shouted, just running around the place. Just the revelation was just so rich. I'm like, the gathering needs to hear this word. But Lord, you know when. And so here we are today. Now is the when. And so we're going to share this word with you this morning. And it's just a simple truth. It's just a simple truth. It's the Mary principle. The Mary principle. The scripture says in Luke chapter 10 that Jesus and his disciples were on their way to a village where, 
a, a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, to give you a little backdrop, Jesus was traveling. Martha opened up her home to him. As we see, Martha was the mistress of the home. Martha had two other siblings. She had a younger sister called Mary, and she had also a brother named Lazarus. That's the same Lazarus who Jesus called from the grave that said, Lazarus, come forth. So it was customary when someone would enter into a Jewish house in, in, in that time, in that season, in Palestine, it was customary that their feet would be washed, but it would come through the door, their feet would be washed, as, was, as their feet would be washed and dried off and everything, they would sit at a table, but it's not sitting the way you're sitting right now. It's almost like sitting close to the floor. They leaned, they, they laid, like they were reclining at the table. And so it was, it was customary for the men to do that, but the women's place, a woman's place, was in a servant too. She was in a place in the kitchen to help serve and that type of thing. So as we read the scripture, we realize that Martha left Mary in charge of getting those things. Okay, wash their feet, sit them down, and then come on back in the kitchen so we can serve these people. So she, I, I can imagine Martha's in the kitchen just chopping up, getting the food ready, getting the hors d'oeuvres. And she's like, where is my sister? I'm like, we got to get this food together. We got to get everything done because Jesus is here. And come on, we, 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 I opened up my home for him. I, I got to get things together. And so she goes out and she realizes that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she becomes irritated and infuriated because Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. And I love what God says, amen, to Martha because he says, Martha, Martha. Now, every time God says something twice, it means you better really pay attention to what I'm saying to you. Really pay attention. So he said, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. In other words, you're getting yourself frazzled by all these other things, all these natural things around you. But that's not the most important thing. He said, your sister Mary has chosen what is more important. It's not that what Martha was doing was wrong. Her activities and what she was doing was not out of place, but it was out of proportion. Sometimes, as believers, we can find ourselves doing the right thing, but because we're not balanced, things, become out of, things come out of proportion in our lives. They needed someone to serve the food. They needed someone to host him. She was doing all of the right things, but everything was out of proportion because she chose to do all the natural things, but she missed the key element, Jesus. She said, well, I'm serving Jesus. And we could say in church, I'm serving Jesus because in actuality, she was serving Jesus. But sometimes in all the serving that we do, we can't forget to sit. We get so busy doing the church thing. I get to church. I'm serving this Sunday. I got to get here. But we don't sit at his feet. And Mary gives us such a powerful example that God wants us to sit. Now, Martha was a very outspoken person. Normally, when you're the oldest sibling, you're the outspoken because you're like, you're like the second in command. When mama and daddy goes out, I remember, I remember being the oldest sibling in my home when my mom went out. Amen. I was in charge. My sister Tiffany had to listen to me. If I say you go in your room, you go in your room. 
If I say that's enough TV, that's enough TV, and I don't care. You get an attitude, you can cry, you call mama on the phone, whatever, but I'm in charge. I was the outspoken one. And Martha was a very outspoken woman. She let you know what was on her mind. She did not keep her mouth shut. She said, this is what it is, and that's that. Take it or leave it, Jesus. But she spoke her mind. But Mary was someone who was soft, who was sweet, who loved the Lord, who words transformed her so much that she just wanted to be in his presence. She didn't want to do anything else. She said, I'll serve him. I'll wash the feet. I'll do all that. I'll get them together. But he's teaching now. Master is teaching. Master is speaking. I want to sit at his feet. I want to hear what Master has to say. And so I think the challenge for us today is are we so caught up doing? And there's nothing wrong with doing because things need to get done. But the question is, are we doing so much? Are we doing so much and we're still accomplishing so little? Working, 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 working. I'm so stressed. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so this. I'm so that. And we're all these things and we're working so hard, but yet we're not accomplishing that much. Because you could get more done sitting at the feet that you can do working. Because when you sit at the feet, Master Jesus gives you strategies. Master Jesus gives you insight. Master Jesus gives you direction. And he said, you know what? Don't work harder. Work smarter. And he shows you what you need to do. He said, but the only one thing is needed. One thing. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary said, Martha, I love you. You my sister. We grew up together. But ain't no one going to take my Jesus away. Ain't no one going to take my Prince of Peace from me. Ain't nothing going to take my joy from me. I hope you serve, but I have to sit. And there's a time where God is saying, you need to stop what you're doing, and you just need to sit in my presence. Amen. He's in agreement. Hallelujah. You just need to sit. You just need to sit in my presence. And the challenge for us today is, are we really sitting in the presence of the Lord? Are we really taking time sitting at Jesus' feet? We're stressing, we're overwhelming, we're getting up, going through our day-to-day activities, and going through our daily functions, but are we really sitting and getting direction from Jesus? Are we sitting daily at his feet? The married principle is that we will sit at the feet of Jesus. She said, I'm, I'm learning something. She said, I'm learning something. She said, when you sit at his feet, he'll change things. He'll shift things. He'll do things. As I was reading about about Mary and Martha, I said, is there any other places in the word of God in which I can see this this contrast, this comparison among sisters? And so if if you go to the book of John, and it was quite ironic because it's just like the words just popped off the page to me, and I was just really overwhelmed. If you go to John chapter 11, John chapter 11 talks about the death of Lazarus. This is their brother. Now, we don't know if it was their oldest brother, their youngest brother, but we know it was their brother. It was, it was three of them, two girls and a brother. Amen. Mary, Martha, Martha Mary, and Lazarus. And in John chapter 10, the word came to Jesus while he was ministering out that Lazarus was ill. Lazarus was ill. And so the request said, can you come and can you come and can you come pray, Jesus, for your friend Lazarus, who is ill? Jesus was still out doing his ministry. He said, I will get to Lazarus later. Then word came, Lazarus 
is dead. Jesus, how could you let your friend die? Lazarus is dead. Jesus looked at it. He said, no, Lazarus is not dead. Lazarus is just asleep. God is so awesome that when he looks at death, he calls it sleep. He said, but I'm going to go and wake him up. The disciples like, what did he say? What does he say he's going to go wake him up? They didn't understand. What he said. Jesus would say some off-the-wall stuff. And they'll be like, what did he just, what did he say? But they'll just go, mm-hmm, like they got the revelation, but they really didn't get the revelation. They really didn't get the revelation after Jesus was crucified and buried and resurrected. And they said, oh, that's what the master meant when he said that. Oh, my God. That's what he meant about fishes of men. Oh, oh, I, it didn't click for me. Okay, revelation came now. Yeah. And so he said, I'm going to go to wake Lazarus up. We read in John chapter 11, verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Not one day, not dead a few minutes, four days. If you understand anything about the body, I have some medical students here. It's during the fourth day that rigor mortis begins to kick in the body. In other words, the body begins to start deteriorating, especially if the body was not embalmed. The body would begin to deteriorate. They, didn't, they don't believe in embalming. They would just wrap you up with spices to try to preserve you amen, in the tomb, and then they would, they would change that periodically as your body would begin to be disposed of. And so on the fourth day, it was too late <laughs> in man's eyes, that God could do anything. But Jesus was on his way to Bethany. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Here we go now. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said, to Jesus. Now, remind you, Martha is a type of personality, and some of you have this type of personality. You speak your mind. Martha heard that Jesus was coming. She's a little upset with him, and she said, I'm going to go speak my mind to Jesus. And so she heard Master was coming. She went out there, Lord, hold it. Lord. She wasn't saying, see, we read some of this stuff. We think everybody speaks to Jesus so sweetly. Lord, Father. God, no, no, no. She was, Lord, I'm speaking my mind now. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have died. If she was a sister, she'd be like, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would have died. She probably had the finger in Jesus' face and everything. Head going, everything. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But I know that even now, God would give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, here it is. Jesus is about to give her some keys. He said this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. She's saying, Lord, I believe you will resurrect. I believe you can do these things, but you can do it on the last day because now it's too late. You should have been here. I'm speaking my mind. I'm telling you, yeah, I believe you can do whatever you ask, but really what Martha was saying, Lord, I'm limiting you. 
I believe you're God. I believe you're able, but you're able to do it then because we all are going to rise on the resurrection at the last day. That's where we're going to rise. And Jesus declared right now. He said, I am, not I will be the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. He said, it's me. Anyone who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. She said, do, Jesus said, do you believe this to Martha? She said, yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, son of God, who has come into the world. She said all the right answers. And sometimes we can say all the right answers, but yet miss the revelation. We say, oh, yeah, I know that scripture. We, we walk by faith and not by sight. And therefore, amen, being Christ is a new creation, all that. And we get to quote all the scriptures. But yet there's no power. There's no revelation. There's no understanding. And we could quote and quote and quote and rebuke, rebuke, rebuke. And why the devil ain't leaving? Why stuff not happen? Because revelation now locks the word for you. It's not just calling the scripture, but the Bible says, well, all you're getting, get understanding. If you have no understanding, you have no wisdom. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Now, Jesus was setting her up to do a miracle. He would say, okay, you believe? I just need some faith. Jesus, look, Jesus just didn't do things, just be doing things. He worked on people's faith. Many times when God did something through his son Jesus, he said, your faith has saved thee. Your faith has made thee whole. Your faith, your friends of your friend's faith have made you whole. So he was trying to build her faith so he can do something. What does Martha do after she said, yeah, Lord, I, 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 I believe. Yeah, I, 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 I believe. Yeah, you Christ. The Bible says after, that, after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary in south. She said, oh, yeah, I believe that. Okay, Jesus, I'm going back in the house now. Your answer is right there. Jesus is right there, and she's walking away from him. She thinks that she has it all figured out in her mind. She thinks that everything is figured out, that it's just going to go like this. I guess this is what's going to happen. He's just going to be dead, and that's it. Jesus didn't come through for me this time, so I'm going to go back to serving. That's what some of us do. Well, Jesus didn't move the way I thought he was going to move, so I guess I'll just keep on doing what I'm doing. Just forget it. And he's right there. Your miracle is standing in front of you. But because you're, you're not at his feet, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. So she goes inside and she calls. Martha calls her sister, Mary. And she said to her sister, Mary, verse 28, the teacher is here. <laughs> Tell someone the teacher is here. Amen. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. <laughs> I like that's powerful. The teacher is here and is asking for you. I don't see Jesus. I don't see Jesus asking for Martha. There was something that was uniquely. He's asking for you. Jesus is asking for you. He wants you. He's summoning you. He's calling you. When Mary heard that, she got up quickly. She didn't stroll out. She got up quickly. She went to him, verse 30. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews, 
who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. So all the group that came over to mourn with her at the house, come on, you don't have to have, especially a black funeral, you don't have to we have the funeral, we go back, we have a repast. And that seems like, that seems like where all the best food come out. It don't come out for Thanksgiving, but what's the one die? Everybody bring the best food over to the house afterward. They just last for weeks. Like, that's the best food ever. So they're over at the house morning. She jumps out the house. She runs out the house. They said, let's follow her. She's going to mourn at the tomb. Let's go mourn with her. This is what's going on. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she saw her. What did she do next? She fell at his feet. She fell at his feet. She took her proper place. She fell at the feet of Jesus. And she said, Lord, if you have been here, my brother will have not died. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come along with him were also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? She said, come see, my Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. I love that. Martha was talking to her mind. Da, 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 and she just left Jesus in mid-sentence. He was ready to do something then. Then Mary comes out. Mary gets right at his feet. And she said, Lord. She, and they said the same exact thing. Lord, if you had been, my brother would have died. And Jesus was trying to build Martha's faith. But again, Martha didn't choose what was the most important. Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus once again. Once again, she assumed her proper position. So much that Jesus wept. Jesus was so moved, so touched by her weeping. I'm pretty sure Martha was weeping. She was frustrated. She was upset. But it was something about Mary because she was at his feet. God wants us to be at his feet today. Sometimes we're just going and going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny. Just keep going and going and going and going. But Jesus said, would you just stop a minute? Would you just come and sit at my feet? Come sit in my presence. You worried and you stressed out about stuff. You're trying to figure out, get answers that you have no answer to. You're trying to figure out solutions you have no answer to. You cannot do it by yourself. You just can't. I remember we first got married, and Lord, our, our, our money was funny back then. They still laugh every now and then, but it was really funny back then. And I said, Lord, and I said, get stressed out. My wife was like, we got to talk about the finances. And we would, get, we would just get some heated arguments over it. I was like, no, we need to do this. And no, we need to do that. And I would just get to, but I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. No, 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 no. You do whatever you want to do. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And I said, well, that's not taking leadership, right? So let, 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 Lord, help me. And I just heard the Holy Spirit whisper, why don't you come before me? Why don't you pray before you do your budget? I'll give you strategies. And I guarantee you, every time we prayed, and we had all the bills, and it was, like I said, the money was funny back then, all the bills. And God gave a strategy how to pay everyone. Everyone was paid. My lights never went off in my 10 years living out here. Never had a dispossessed notice. Never. I'm telling you, I'm like, Lord, I don't know how we're making it. And tithing, let me put that in. We were tithing still with limited funds. We were tithing. And God made a way. 
Every now and then a little extra came. We did a little, little something, something special for ourselves. But he provided because we sat at his feet. We asked God for strategies. Now, we try to do it by ourselves. Should we probably be separated by now or stressed out? You know, money destroys marriages. But to this day, we pray, God, this is what we need. This is what we need. And sometimes, man, we, we think we the head. We got to supply. I got to do everything. I'm big daddy. I got, I got, I got to do it. No, no, no. God can give you a better strategy than that. Go to God. Ask God to show you what to do. Come on now. Lord, I want to bless my wife. I want to do something special. Give me the strategy so I can make this thing happen. Come on. You don't think God don't care about that stuff? Come on now. I'm about to make 10 years in a couple, couple weeks now. I said, Lord, give me a strategy how to do something big. Let me blow her mind, God. What? Do it, Jesus. And he was like, this is how you do it. So I'm like, oh, thank you. I got it, God. Come on now. He gives you strategy. But you won't get it if you don't sit at his feet. You'll be stressing out, pulling out credit cards, trying to make it work and tie it together. And next thing you and dad, and you trying to work overtime to pay it off. And you're all stressed out. You come home all mad. And you're mad because you got your husband to give. But yet you got to work to pay for the gift. And you can't hardly spend no time with your husband to enjoy the gift. Killing yourself for nothing. Try to go on a family vacation and spend the whole fall trying to pay it off. Well, we just want to spend time with each other, but you ain't spend no time together now because you try to work overtime to pay it off. Oh, God. High five, Jesus. All right. All right. Sitting at your feet. She went and sat at his, at his feet. Oh, my God. The Jews said, verse 36. See how he loved him. Because it's so Jesus weeping. Now, there are many theologians that have different views on this scripture. Some are saying that Jesus wept because he saw the lack of faith that was there. So he was weeping because he said, they don't believe me. I revealed that I'm the Christ. I'm the son of the living God. You know, they just don't believe me. And so I'm weeping because you have such a lack of faith. Other theologians believe, when you look at this text, that Jesus actually moved with compassion, and he's weeping with them. But the Bible says, rejoice with them that rejoice, mourn with those that mourn. I take the latter. I don't believe Jesus was so disconnected from his feelings that he could not feel what was going on in the moment. The last time I checked, Jesus is touched with our infirmities. He can feel what we feel. They were upset. They were mourning. It's a whole bunch of people walked in this church and started mourning someone's death. You didn't even know the person. After a while, you start feeling sad. Like, dad, oh, God, I don't even know him, but it's just so sad. Oh, my God. Because you feel what they felt. And so Jesus was feeling what they felt. And he was weeping. And it moved him. He said, and, and, and his son got the nerve to say, because you're going to have naysayers. Could he not open the eyes of the blind? Man, and have kept this man from dying? Some people will look at you and just size you up. Man, couldn't God have done better than that? Couldn't God have done this? Couldn't God have done that? Couldn't God have changed this and changed that? Because it looks like a, 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 a dark and a dim situation. But you keep sitting at the feet of Jesus. You don't have nothing to prove to nobody. That's one thing the Lord has been speaking to my heart about. Sometimes as a pastor, as a man, you feel you got to prove yourself. You got to prove yourself. You got to prove yourself. I got no one to prove myself to. 
I just got to stay black and live. That's all I got to do. And serve God. Because sometimes we, 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 get, we get so caught up about what other people think. Forget what they think. Love my family. Forget what they think. I'm going to serve God. And if you don't like the decision I made, <laughs> tough. I'm going to serve God. Because at the end of my life, I want to hear well done, that good and faithful servant. See, some people get on the bus later. <laughs> when I first launched out of ministry, I heard a whole bunch of naysayers. Are you sure you call? You sure that's what you want to do? And, you know, sometimes you can let people just, 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 just really cause doubt and fear to enter your heart. But I know what God said to me. I know. So you got to get around people who believe like you believe, who can speak life to you. I know what God said. And I look at those same individuals that's now, that, that, that are around me now. And now it's like, wow, look at God, look at God. I'm like, but you were the same one. You know, you, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't speak it publicly, but you think to yourself, they were the same individuals so many years ago that was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? I remember I proposed to my wife, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Now, pastor, can you counsel us? We need some counsel. Same ones! You better do what God told you to do. Happens by sitting at his feet. It's like getting so caught up in the doing. You're out of order. You're out of proportion. There's nothing wrong with the doing, but you have to make sure that you sit. Not sit watching television. Not sit on Twitter with your phone. Come on now. Not sitting, not, not sitting and, 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 and being passive and, and, and doing everything else but sitting before God. But sitting before him, asking him to fill you up. Some of us, we quick to listen to the opinion of our friends. And they mean, well, they do. They love you. They care for you. But what is God saying? That's what you need to be concerned about. And you won't know what God is saying unless you're sitting at his feet. I love Brother Olu's testimony. Yes, I'm going to shout you out right now. I love Brother Olu's testimony because this brother went to school. And he was going to become a medical doctor. But that's not what God told him to do. He had to make a decision in his life. God, am I going to do what you called me to do? Because every time I sit at your feet, I'm not hearing Dr. Olu. I'm hearing something else in my spirit. I'm hearing hearing artist. I'm hearing a creative thinker. I'm hearing an artist. That's, That's what I'm hearing. But everybody else is almost like they're saying doctor. But you're saying artist. Am I going to do what you called me to do? Or I'm just going to go with what man wants me to do. He made a decision to follow God. And I'm so proud of him that he has he's in art school now. He's doing well. Give God praise for him. Amen. And he's stepping up in ministry as well. He's stepping up as a leader. Amen. Just by the way, he'll be one of the speakers next Sunday for Father's Day. Feel it, feel it, love it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just playing. But when you sit at the feet of Jesus, you do things that you never thought you would be able to do. Because there's things that lie dormant in you that only God knows that's there. But you won't begin to access it until you allow him to stir it up within you. Come on now. God, stir it up in you. But he is the one that can activate that thing with inside of you. You think, Lord, I can't do that. No, surely not me. But you don't know what God has put on the inside of you. But you won't know until you sit at his feet. That's what the Father wants us 
to do. So let's keep reading the scripture. Jesus wept. Amen. He was weeping. He was, Jesus once more deeply moved, came across the tomb. Hallelujah. And came to the tomb. And with the cave, it was the cave with the stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, Jesus said. But Lord, said Martha. Come Martha, button it again. We just got to keep our mouth shut. But Lord, wait, God, wait, hold it. Stop the presses. Wait, wait, wait. But Lord, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. For he has been there for four days. Now Jesus already knew that. He knew that. He knew that coming to the city. He'd been there for four days. He just found out. I pray Jesus like, duh, I know that. Did you just hear me? I'm the resurrection and the life. Though you were dead, yes, shall you live. Hello, I'm trying to do something here. And she's in the way. The question is, are you in the way? Maybe you're stopping your own miracle from happening. Because you're in the way. Oh, God. I'm praying, Lord. I'm praying. Work it out. Give me that breakthrough, God. Do it. Do it. And God is about to roll your stone away and call that thing, that, that dead thing back to life. And you say, wait, Lord. Wait. It's, it's been there too long. It's been dead too long. It can't happen. But yeah, yeah, Lord, I believe you're the resurrection. So move out the way. Stop blocking your miracle. God, I want you to move. God, I want you to do this. And then he's about to do it, and then you check it out. Because in your natural mind, it doesn't make sense. Why would he do it this way? Why not that way? It's planned out properly if you do it that way. Enough with your plan. Your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. If you get at my feet, you will understand that. Mary didn't do anything. Mary was just sitting there, all right, Jesus. Do your thing. The Mary principle. Mary was quiet. She was listening. And sometimes we... Some of your prayer life is just you talking. Lord, I thank you for my dad. I thank you for this. I thank you for that. Bless me. I have to go about my way. In the name of Jesus. Our Father, our heart, 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 And you just talking. And you don't shut up and listen. And he's trying to talk to you. Every time you pray, you should get a word from God. Every time. He said, his sheep know my voice. It will not follow another. That means you should get a word from the Lord. If you ain't getting a word from the Lord, you need to test your prayer life. You need to get with someone who can teach you how to listen to him. Mary didn't do too much talking. Martha was the one butting in all the time. Jesus was talking. She, but Lord, don't you care? Martha, I'm teaching right now. Hold that down. Relax. You be concerned about all this other stuff. That's not important right now. The word is going forth. Jesus told her, and I love this. He said, didn't I not tell you? He wasn't saying that in a pretty way. He said, Martha, didn't I not tell you? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. God is telling you, didn't I tell you that if you will believe, you will see the glory of God? You confess that you have faith, 
that you believe God, that God is able, and you're shouting, and you're singing about it, you got the hymns about it, you got everything saying those things, that when I'm actually about to move now, you're blocking me. Didn't I tell you, if you would believe, see, God was after faith. We sing that song, Let Faith Arise. He was after faith. He was after faith. Didn't I not tell you, you would see the glory of God. He didn't say just the presence. He said the glory. The glory is the manifested presence. Amen. The glory. The Shekinah, the Kabad. The glory, the weight of his presence. You will see the glory of God. When the last time you saw the glory of God in your life? You said, God, I see your glory. I see you doing miraculous things that I never thought that could be able to be done, but I believe you. When last time we saw the glory of God in the church? The type of glory where God's come up in here that the ministers are not able to minister because the glory is so thick you could cut it with a knife. So we play stuff. We play church. We play prayer life. We act like we got power and authority. But if it comes down to the nitty-gritty, we miss out because we don't have the real substance. We don't have the real stuff, that stuff that takes you through, that gets you out on the other side. See, we give up somewhere in the middle of the struggle. And we start complaining, God, see, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. See, Lazarus is dead. He didn't do it. I asked him to come. He didn't, he didn't do it on your watch. But God has his own time, his own way of doing things. And we have to trust his way of doing things. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. King James, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man came out, and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. When you're at the feet of Jesus, you'll see his miraculous power. You'll see him do things that you never could even thought that he could be, that he could even do. That's how powerful Jesus is. It's so wonderful as we look at this Mary principle because she always was at the feet of Jesus. It was the same Mary in John chapter 12 that anointed Jesus' feet for his death. That was the same Mary that aggravated Judas Iscariot and said, how could she break that, 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 that vase with expensive perfume and pour on your feet? That's like a year's wages. In today's term, that was like your salary for a year. Think $100,000. Something priceless. She broke it and put it on his feet. That's what she did. That's what she did. She knew her place was at the feet of Jesus. Do you know where your place is today? Is it at Jesus' feet? You keep on reading throughout the Gospels. You see Mary was there with Mary Magdalene when Jesus got up from the grave. Where did they go when they saw Jesus? At his feet. She knew her place. She knew her place. She knew to get close to God, to get his heart, I got to get at his feet. 
I got to get down. Now, Pastor, what does that speak to me? I got to kneel down? For some, yes, you need to kneel down. Some, you need to change your posture in prayer. Some, you pray the same way every time. You get no results. Maybe you need to get on your knees. Maybe you need to walk out and sit out in the park somewhere with a journal and a Bible. Maybe you need to try something different. Maybe on your lunch break for work, you go in your carpet on your praise music and have prayer. Whatever you need to do. When I was working downtown, I was, I was, I was sneaking to the little, the little lounge area at a certain time when no one was there, just have my Bible and just read. Come on. Spending time with him. Because if you're honest, there's a deficit inside of you. There's something that's missing. Come on, we all got it. Let's just be real. Let's just be real in this house today. There's a deficit on the inside of us. It only sitting at the feet of Jesus. Only his presence can fill that deficit that's within us. We worry. We think we're not good enough. We, we, we keep messing up, doing the same stuff, stupid stuff over and over again. We think God is mad with us. And so we don't connect, especially men. We don't connect. We, you know, sometimes we look at prayer being very feminine. Hallelujah. We think it's just sweet and, and just feminine and glory to God. You see Marola up here. Come on, let's praise him. Hallelujah. Indescribable. And we just think worship is just so sweet. It's just so feminine. And so when we go home by ourselves, mother, we brothers, we say, we, I can't produce that. I don't, yeah, I can't do that. I'm indescribable. You, I can't do all that what they do in church. And so we don't pray because we said the experience is not the same. And so it gives us an excuse just to put on the TV and watch what's going on in the sports game. Like, yeah, that's brothers how we do it. Woo, woo. Bless the Lord on my soul. Hallelujah. And so we think that because it's so sweet sometimes that we can't connect. But let me tell you something. Women are beautiful when they worship. They're powerful. But it's not that when men worship. <laughs> it's not like when men take their rightful place. Come on, ladies. It's not when men worship or men get serious. I, I ain't talking about the hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about that worship where your hands go up. You don't care who around you. A little tear, because, you know, first, man, you don't like to share. We don't like to share our emotions. You know, sometimes it get hot up in here. You be like, dang, I feel the tear. And I got, oh, mm. Pull together. Pull together. Not here. Not here. Not here. Not here. I don't want my wife to see me cry. Not here. Not here. Not here. Because we don't even shout emotions from our wives. So let alone, why should we share it from the Lord? I forgot. This is not Father said. Let me behave myself. But we don't want to connect. But sometimes with real men worship, amen, they don't care who's looking. They'll get sloppy. They'll let the tears come down. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And just go in. It's nothing like seeing godly men go into the presence of the Lord. Amen. Because you get what you need for yourself as a man. You'll get what you need for your wife if you're married, for your children if you have kids. You'll get, you'll get a download in your spirit of what you need to do, how you need to handle the situation. We, we, I mean, we got the way of the world on us anyway. There's people constantly pulling, 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 and sucking the life out of us. So why not go to the life giver and get some more life? Mary, the Mary principle. Doing our day-to-day -day activities, they're fine. Do them. 
work, pay your bills, go play golf, go to movies, do all that. For, God cares about that stuff. That stuff is fun. You know, you think God just wants you to come to church and just worship God and that's all that we do. No, go have fun, go bowling. Amen. Amazing Superman coming out in a couple of weeks. We're going. Minus Spider-Man. That's what I mean. Spider-Man. Amen. A couple of brothers were going to see Spider-Man. Come on. God cares about that stuff. We just talked about community. Come on now. We think church is just Sunday morning only. We just, everything is Jesus, Jesus, spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. No, dead life. Had a culture. He cares about those things. Sometimes we limit God. We box God in our little minds. We box him in. We said, this is the God box. Everything else is mine. No, no. God's box is everything box. Everything needs to be to him. But you won't know that unless you're at his feet. So here's my challenge to you today. I'm closing. Amen. God is calling us to come closer. Some of you say, well, Pastor, I pray every day. I have my devotional time. You know, I feel like I'm going to write in that area. I sing my hymn. I quote my scripture. I read my little devotional book. You know, and, and I, I'm okay. I'm okay. But the question is, could it be better? Could it be better? Are you really connecting with him? Some you need to go on a fast. You need to consecrate yourself. That's I'm not getting the answers that I want. So then you have to intensify your prayer life. Just because God's not, no, 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 no. We, we excuse, I pray nothing happens. Yeah, you need to intensify your prayer life. You need to turn up the fire. Turn up the steam. You want to get, you want to hear from God fast. Turn down a plate. Sometimes we can't hear from God because there's too much stuff around us. I give this example. When I go upstate New York to Rockland County, and where it's pitch black dark at night, I cannot even see my hand in front of my face. Amen? I can look up in the sky and see the wondrous stars that God has created. But if I go to New York City at 2 o'clock in the morning, I can see everybody and their grandmother. But yet when I look up in the sky, I can see not one star because there's too much stuff happening around. And the stars are still there. Sometimes you have to come away. Remember the song, Mother, steal away with Jesus? Steal away. Sometimes you have to seal away with Jesus. You have to change your posture so you can connect with God. So you can see him. He's there. You have to shut off the lights. You got to get rid of all the distractions all around you. He's calling you to sit at his feet.